Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 well welcome back as we head into hour two we do so delightfully and privileged to have congressman david schweikert joining us i was thinking david um there was a, you don't drink you uh, but there was an old beer commercial this this beer is made for you this time was made for you uh the white house was putting out talking points uh today that uh Speaker McCarthy was doing some backroom deals to tax, put a tax hike on the middle class. Uh, at the same time, we we're about to have some kind of discussion, it looks like, on our fiscal crisis. Let's start with the tax hike on the middle class first, and then let's get to the honesty we need to have about the fiscal crisis, sir. You know, and let me say welcome to the majority also. I don't think yeah, I've had a chance to say that to you yet. Hey. And, and one of these days, I want you to explain your choice to have cowbell as your opening. But uh, that's a, we'll save that for later. Okay, we will, yes, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, look, two-thirds of the time, I have no idea what the White House is talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But there, there is sort of the internal fight that's going to happen. Uh, okay, you're kidding. The, the debt ceiling will run out of extraordinary measures, which basically means, okay, the Treasury is out of its borrowing authority, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Then what they do is they start looking internally. Hey, we have cash in this account. There's a trust fund over here. And they basically just start transferring money out of those accounts and using that. Because you know, last year, about a quarter of all federal spending was borrowed. Um, so if I came to you tomorrow and said, Hey, um, we're going to cut spending, but we're going to we want to cut some of Medicaid spending. Is that a really a cut or is it a shift? Okay. Because much of that would just say, okay, the federal government is going to spend money on this part of the program. We're going to just shift it to the state. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure that's a completely legitimate thing to do because it's still taxpayer money. Um, and I think that's some of what the White House was trying to backdoor and kind of rack by saying, well, many of these cuts, actually, people will still spend money. They just shift it from the federal government's account to someone else spending it. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, we're going to go through a dance for months where the White House is going to act like they're not going to negotiate. The Republicans will act like you know, we demand this. And until you get down to the last couple of weeks, the, I don't think there'll be enough stress for the adults to show up in the room and say, all right, this would be good for the country. Mm-hmm. But, but, you, but do not walk away from the debt ceiling. You need the stress of the debt ceiling to force most members of Congress to actually have an honest discussion that we're, we're on an unsustainable path. If I hear you right, the importance of the debt ceiling is to be used, at least from our side, to discuss the issue of spending that we need to cut substantially and seriously. Look, it's like the the family 
gets the notice that their credit card limit has been you know, um, reduced because there's spending problems, and the family has to have a discussion saying, hey, we've we got a problem here. we hit our credit card limit. Um, Washington, D.C. is all about the money. The lobbyists there don't give a damn about you, your family, um, or, or the debt. They just want money for their clients. And so this becomes an absolute You start saying, well, we need to reduce spending here. We need to get rid of this program there. Well, every program, once it's passed, has an army of constituents and lobbyists. Mm-hmm. And if the public wants to help us, they need to, they need to read like crazy. And, and you need to read like the Wall Street Journal, things that actually give you an idea of what we're up against. And then you got to pick up that phone or your internet and start contacting your congressional officers saying, I'm with you. I know this may create a stressor. I know it may actually end up in a fight where you have a government shutdown when we do the appropriations bills and the president won't sign them. Are there uh, easier things to go for first than second, third, or later? Are there, not are, really. Not really. Not yeah. really. And, and the reason is you need something that's impactful. I mean, you can do this simple things like, all right, let's sweep every account where there was still pandemic money left over. Okay. Okay, but that's a one-time thing. It doesn't help you structurally into the future. And we should do it. Um, but... The, the, the number one driver of our U.S. debt is actually health care costs. Mm-hmm. And for long term, until we're willing to actually do the things necessary to change the price of health care. And, and most members of Congress, their ideas on health care are financing ideas. Mm-hmm. We'll do price transparency, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. But it's less than 1% mm-hmm. change in pricing. Or the Democrats, Medicare for all, that's a financing bill. doesn't change the price of health care. So the folks don't seem to understand what a pricing mechanism compared to who actually has to pay. One of the things that I'm hoping for with this new Congress that you are now part of in the majority is that these great lectures that you have been doing from the House floor will not only get more attention but have more traction can we expect more of that? Will you get more attention now that you're in the majority rather than the voice in the wilderness in the minority? I don't know. Um, look, I know you're not popular. I mean, not, it's not as yeah. if what you're saying is popular with a lot of Republicans either, to be honest. Right? Yeah, no, look, um, uh, a lot of my fellow Republicans, you know, they're personally friendly, but they don't like what I say. Right. They're very apathetic. Right. Um, even the, what we just talked about, saying there's a difference between a cut and a transfer. Right. And a lot of the Republican proposals that have been floating around are, are transfers. They're actually not spending cuts. They just they move it to the, they let the state pay for it. Mm-hmm. But that's not a con. Mm-hmm. And so that has angered some folks because their little con, you know, got caught. Um, what I'm more interested in is the fact now we might actually have the ability to move some of the actual legislation that legalizes the breath biopsy you can have at home. Yeah. You know, now, um, the hard part with that is you're going to need the state. If you know a state legislator, they need to actually now step up and say, hey, if the FDA approves the technology, it can, it can prescribe here in Arizona. That's how you actually start 
the, the revolution of bringing in technology to disrupt the price of healthcare. But that's just healthcare. There's dozens of things like this. Okay. Um, in transportation, in construction, in environment, where you could crash the price of healthcare, just crash, crash the price of all government if you'd legalize the technology. You know, it's funny, you and I have had these conversations before on another aspect that seems to be, uh, there seems to be an increasing number of third rails <laughs> that if you touch, you get in trouble. You're not, you're, you don't care about them and I don't care about them, but, but, but a lot of people do. And it seems, you know, maybe another thing that can be talked about is lifestyle choice. I mean, you know, the obesity part, I mean, you're just primed to talk about this right now when it comes to health care expenditures, right? I would think. How do you help our brothers and sisters um, who have, you know, tough lives, busy lives, um, and, and, and understand government in many ways screwed them. Yep. Um, 15 years ago, we talked about 2,000 calories a day, yep. the nutrition activist. Right. Now we'll stand in front of you and admit they were wrong. Yep. It's not calories, it's nutrition. Yep. For many years, you know, remember the food pyramid? Well, yep. that was wrong. Yep. But... With that goes lots of other policies. Um, are you willing to change the farm bill? So, so if you're, if yeah. you're in poverty, yeah, we need to actually, play the song by the Archies, "Sugar, Sugar," right? Right. It's, it's much. It's more than that. Yeah. Um, if you're in poverty and society has decided we're going to give you SNAP benefits, supplemental nutrition benefits, yep. should society say we want these to be healthy? Yes. And we've learned that when that's been tried in the past, people take their EBT card, their food stamps, and trade it. Yep. You know, it becomes a bartering system. Yep. And so uh, there's some experiments out there saying, okay, we're showing up with a food box three times a week of microwavable food because we found fresh fruits and vegetables, those things, and let's say it's thrown away. Yep. But yep. we've got to deal with the reality of the populations we have. I mean, um, we're killing ourselves. Absolutely. The amount of our society that's pre-diabetic or heading to diabetes yep. is just crushing. Yep. And the fact that 70% of healthcare is through government now, we've got to deal with the reality. Yep, absolutely. Check out Alicia Finley's piece in the Wall Street Journal on child obesity. It came out a couple of days ago. If you haven't seen it, I highly commend it to you and the rest of the audience. David, again, congrats on the majority. Happy New Year. Looking forward to uh, getting some work done here with you, brother. Thank you very much. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Go placidly amid the noise and the haste. That's my wish for our majority. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I will confess, I did not know much about this person, Konstantin Kiesin. He is a uh, now. He was born in Russia. He is now a citizen of Great Britain, and uh, a video of his uh, has uh, gone somewhat viral uh, over a debate he uh, engaged in at the Oxford Debating Union in Great Britain. Uh, debating the proposition that woke culture has gone too far. I just love it. I don't know if we'll be able to get the whole thing into this segment, but you will love it too. Constantine Kissin. Listen, listen to some of this, David, if you'll play. First of all, Mr. President, I'd like to thank you for that preview of the 2024 American election we witnessed earlier. 
And uh, if you're not persuaded to vote for the proposition tonight by that speech by James, I don't know what will persuade you. You will not know this, but I was supposed to be the first non-student speaker for the proposition. I've now been the fourth, which means that I now have to thank all the previous speakers for making my best points for me. Uh, and I find that the reason, the main reason now that I have left to be uh, in support of the motion is that I am so tired of talking about woke culture. That's why it's gone too far, more than anything else. And I thank the other speakers for making the points for me because it means I don't have to reiterate the point that no, no, free speech is not some right-wing reframing of whatever. It's the foundation of Western civilization upon this civilization is built and the Enlightenment values that led to it. I don't have to make the point that has been made by far better people in the past that the only way to deal with the problem of racism is to treat people on the content of their character and nothing else. And the fact that woke culture seeks to overturn that is a new form of racism that we must all oppose. It means also I will not use this opportunity to say I told you so, as someone who spent the last five years warning people in the West that if we continue to erode our culture, if we continue to undermine our confidence in Western values, that our enemies, enemies like Vladimir Putin, will seek to capitalize on it. I will not make any of those points tonight at all. Instead, I am not going to talk to those of you who already agree with me, which I imagine is most of you. Um, I'm not going to talk to you because I imagine after everything you've heard tonight, you're going to vote for the proposition. I'm going to confess I will take your vote for granted. Tonight, I am the Labour Party and you are the Red Wall. Now, I want to talk to those of you who are woke and who are open to rational argument. A small minority, I accept. Because one of the tenets of wokeness is, of course, that your feelings matter more than the truth. But I believe in you. I believe there are those of you here who are woke, who are open to rational arguments, so let me make one. We are told that your generation cares more than any other about one issue in particular, and that issue is climate change. We are told that many of you suffer from climate anxiety. You wish to save the planet. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshipping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. St. Greta of climate change. Let us all accept right here, right now, that we are living through a climate emergency and our stocks of polar bears are running extremely low. I join you in this view. I truly do. Now, what are we to do about this huge problem facing humanity? What can we in Britain do? We can only do one thing. You know why? This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions, which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who couldn't give a about saving the planet. No, thank you. No, thank you. It's going to be decided by poor people in Asia and Latin America who don't care about saving the planet. You know why? Because they're poor. Because they're poor. I come from Russia, which is not a poor country. It's a middle-income country. 20% of households in Russia do not have an indoor toilet. What they have is an outdoor toilet. 
And I don't mean one of those nice portaloos that we get here. I don't even mean a Glastonbury portaloo. I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground that holds a collected fermented memory of the last 10,000 visits. How many of you are going to go home tonight and say, let's rip out our bathroom and erect a Siberian house in the back garden? And if you're not, why should they? 120 million people in China do not have enough food. I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. Imagine you're Xi Jinping, the leader of China. When you were 10 years old, there was a revolution, a cultural revolution in your country. And people came and they put your father in prison. Your mother had to denounce him. Your sister killed herself. And you, no longer enjoying the protection of your formerly powerful father, were sent to a village where you lived in a cave house. And here you are, decades later. You have clawed your way up the bloody and greasy pole of Chinese politics to be the undisputed supreme leader of the very Communist Party that destroyed your family. And you know that the main thing you have to do to survive and to stay in power is to deliver the one thing that the people of China want, prosperity, economic growth. Where do you think climate change ranks on Xi Jinping's list of priorities? A third of all children who live in extreme poverty in the world live in India. That means they are starving and dying of preventable disease. Now, about 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. Not me, because we're old school. (laughs) (laughs) And for nine months... We talked about what our boy would look like. You know, this is an important story. Let me have up. you pause it right there. We this is an important story. I don't want to lose. Back it up to the beginning of the story uh, when we go into the next segment. This is Constantine Kiesen at the uh, Oxford Union uh, debating the proposition that woke culture has gone too far. And it's a beautiful and important story that he tells. So I'm not going to let it be interrupted. He also has a uh, a book out uh, that just came out that I started reading. If uh, you want to learn more from this uh, young and supple mind, uh, the book is An Immigrant's Love Letter to the West, and you can get it, you know, Amazon or whatever. And one of the interesting things he talks about in that, um, in that introduction to his book, An Immigrant's Love Letter to the West, is what it's actually like to grow up in a communist country of which he has memories and what they do to children in these countries and how they use children against adults, how they weaponize the children against the, how some adults weaponize the children against other adults sound eerily familiar. It probably should if it doesn't. Anyway, I I want you to hear this story from Constantine Kissin with the full force of the, uh, of, uh, without, without it being interrupted. So we'll do it when we come back. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's the right time of year to start it off right by securing the value of your cash reserves and investments and guarding them against what many are predicting will be a brutal year 
for the value of the dollar and the stock market. That's why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your wealth with the stability of gold. Gold holds its value when economies fail. And with stocks and bonds crashing over 20% last year, gold has held its value. Those who converted to gold with Midas Gold Group created a hedge against the ravages of inflation. Trust the precious metals dealer that Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you trust. That's the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. MidasGoldGroup.com is where you can find them online. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. I'm playing you a section of this speech from Constantine Kisson at the Oxford uh, Debating Society, at the Oxford Union on Woke Culture. And um, here's the uh, peroration of his argument. David, if you don't mind. Now, about 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. Not me, because we're old school. (laughs) And for nine months, we talked about what our boy would look like, what he might do when he grows up. We looked at baby scans and videos on YouTube about what the fetus looks like at nine months and 12 months and 20 months. And eventually he was born. And he is this cute little bundle of joy. He's cuter than about 80% of puppies. Right. Now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live, he would go to school, he would bring his first girlfriend home, he'd go to university and graduate and become a woke idiot. And then he'd get a job and get married and have children and become a man. But all I have to do is press this button. And for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 is going to get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young, and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled. You are not going to get these people to stay poor. You're not even going to get them to not want to be richer. And so, I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing we can do in this country to stop climate change, and that is to make scientific and technological breakthroughs that will create the clean energy that is not only clean, but also cheap. And the... No, thank you. And the only, I, I want everyone to get home on time today, which is not going to happen. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. And we on this side of the house are not on this side of the house because we do not wish to improve the world. We sit on this side of the house because we know that the way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Konstantin Kissin, K-I-S-I-N, Konstantin Kissin, K-I-S-I-N. Check out his book, An Immigrant's Love Letter to the West. I'll try and get him on the show. It'll, it's difficult because he's in Great Britain, uh, given the time changes, but we'll see what we can do. I started reading his book today, and it is fantastic, starting off with what what it was like to grow up in a communist country and what communist countries do to weaponize children against adults who are not down with the regime, that is to say, who are not willing to ape the platitudes and the certitudes of the propaganda. Um, If you listen to Al Gore at the World Economic Forum, I'm I'm not going to do it to you, but he goes on a rant that's flying around social media today as well, literally telling you that the oceans are boiling. He says that. The oceans are boiling, and if we don't do something, it's going to unleash a billion refugees, which is going to lead to even more xenophobia. This is just a concatenation of fantasy and projection to something that's not going to happen because what he's describing is not happening. There is no ocean that is boiling. This is extremism. This is extremism in the defense of control. That's what it is. And it's dangerous. When they call us extremists and lousy or irresponsible with rhetoric, ask them what ocean is boiling. We'll be right back. Those of you who have uh, invested in Y-Refi have already seen a tremendous payback and reward for doing so. Y-Refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement looks like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. And if you need your principal back at any time, there's no loss. No loss of money if you need your money back at any time. Check out my friends at Y-Refi by going to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and it is a secure collateralized portfolio. Again, 888-Y-REFI-34. All right. Uh, I guess I had a caller who dropped who wanted to make the case that ID requirements are racist. Love to hear why. I don't understand that argument at all. But then again, I said I wouldn't play it for you, but a few of you emailed me saying, play Al Gore. It's just so unwound. Did he really say oceans are boiling? Oh, yes. This was him at the, this was him at the uh, World Economic Forum just yesterday. This, thank your lucky stars, this man was never the president. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land. And Rain bombs and the sucking of the moisture. I mean, you just you can create a word salad, I suppose, if you want. And, of course, oceans boiling. The levels of panic and fear that the left operates on is what gets you to do, is what convinces the mind or convinces enough of the people to engage out of panic or fear in dramatic changes to public policy. We've had enough of this, I should think. I think we should have enough of this. We would have had enough of this 
after COVID or through the experience of COVID. We have been through this time and again. It is the left wing go to. Karin Jean Pierre today was doing it again. Um, listen to this. Uh, On some of these key committees, it appears that House Republicans have handed over the keys to the most extreme MAGA members of the Republican caucus. Extreme MAGA members of the Republican caucus. We are extreme. We are on the verge of just on the eve of destruction, as Barry McGuire would say. They're bringing back the author of The Population Bomb from 1969, Paul Ehrlich, who was on 60 Minutes two Sundays ago. Uh, Even though everything he said was proven, everything he prognosticated was proven wrong. Greta Thunberg made the news yesterday for being arrested protesting in Germany. And then, of course, the backup camera shot shows that it was all one big joke. She was in collusion with the police who arrested her for a photo opportunity, just as with AOC crying in tears, kneeling at the border. And the backup photo shows that she was crying in tears at the border over a parking lot. Nothing more than that. But always things have to be at their worst, according to the left. Because why else? Go for extreme ideological changes that are proposed by socialists and neo-Marxists. Why else would would you go for these dramatic revolutionary changes? That's the only way you can have dramatic revolutionary change is if things are so bad that that's all that we'll do. The Republicans are extreme. You vote for against democracy. We're on the verge of watching entire ecosystems disappear before our very eyes. The oceans are boiling. COVID is going to wipe out millions and millions of people, including young children. And yet the big threats, the real threats, as I write about in the Washington Times this week, I'll be on Larry O'Connor's Salem uh, Network uh, interviewed tonight. I'll be on uh, with Larry O'Connor. Tonight at uh, in uh, I, I think it broadcasts yes it broadcasts at seven p.m. If you want to catch it on the uh, on the on the Salem News Network, uh, talking about my column in the Washington Times this week, the things that are really happening that would not take a lot of effort to fix and that really do affect particularly our young adults and our youth, like the pandemic of drug abuse, which just hit a new forty-four year high, which you will not hear Al Gore talking about. Wouldn't take a lot to do much about it, just a little. We don't get any headlines over. We don't see any news about. Russians stole the election. Donald Trump was an illegitimate president for four years. I mean, on and on the extreme statements go based on no veracity. And that's why we said during COVID, be careful. Be careful. Because if you can declare emergency powers, suspending constitutional rights, you think about this. You think about this. Schools? Yeah, sure. I get it. But churches and synagogues and businesses at the snap of a finger? If you can close things in the name of hysteria and pandemic, when all the rational and calm data shows that we could have done this a lot differently and disrupted millions fewer lives by working just with the population that was most at risk and not perturbing and disturbing the population that had almost zero risk on any kind of pie chart or analysis. If we can do all that over that kind of hysteria, and if we are that easily whipped up into hysteria, 
think about what the next thing is they'll do it for. And we all kind of agreed it was probably going to be climate change. That's what the Al Gores are about. That's what the Greta Thunbergs are about. And that's why they get the attention they do from the left-wing media. I wish we could look at the real dangers and get just a little bit of a media attention put on them. Thank you to Larry O'Connor and the Salem News Network and the Washington Times for taking the drug issue seriously. Mike is in Phoenix. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. A um, couple of comments. Um, I wanted to say that Pat Buchanan wrote a book t- 10, 12 years ago called Suicide of a Superpower. A lot of the points that have been brought up this afternoon by you are in that book. The self love failure to control... Wait, wait, wait. I missed what you said. It just cut out. I'm sorry. A lot of the points he brought up, I brought up. Okay, and then you had an example. I, I mean, it's been going on for it's been going on for decades, and he wrote a book about it back in 2011. What what has been? And, um, death of a superpower. Oh, our, okay. our our willingness to damage our own beliefs, our willingness to our own heritage, mm-hmm. our our willingness to, to plagiarize our own history. Sure. Um, all of these types of things were written about. 10, 15 years ago. Oh, my gosh, they were written I, about in the 40s and 50s by people oh, I like Conor. Yeah, Aaron. that I know. But, yeah. but he wrote, he wrote, he wrote a, a great book back in 2000. The second thing I wanted to say is it had to do with the voter ID, uh, with the IDs. Okay. Uh, that was me, and I had, had to drop off. Oh, okay, but I'm glad you called my, back. My point was that in San Francisco, one of the requirements for our... Um, you know, our payments for $5 million. They yes. have to demonstrate residency and identification. Yes. But I thought that was racist. I see. <laughs> I so see. Oh, can... you were, okay, you were making the ironic point. Okay. That's correct. So how are we supposed to provide reparations without properly identifying? Oh, people? here's how, Mike. There is an easy answer, I think. Um, not questioning it. You can't question... Well, then you I'm can't apply. question the con- the contradictions <laughs> at the state. I-, I do have to take a break, but you were good to call back, and you're willing. And if you're willing to stay, I'll pick you up on the other side of this break. Okay, I'll give you the last word. We'll be right back. Mike in Phoenix has been kind enough to call back and hold, uh, making the point that in San Francisco, if you uh, want to. Uh, be uh, if you want to apply for the five million dollar check uh, for reparations, you have to show an ID that establishes your race, which is kind of contradictory to the whole notion that IDs in and of themselves or ID requirements in and of themselves are racist. Do I have that about right, Mike? Well, sure. Plus, they have to establish you know multiple years of residency and proof of residency and proof of time in a particular location and an address. So you're thinking maybe a utility bill isn't going to cut it, huh? I don't know. If I've got to demonstrate heritage, (laughs) I mean, I suppose. I mean, that's almost like the Nuremberg rules that the Nazis put. I I think it all is. I think it all is. This is what my biggest (laughs) objection to all these race-based measures are. I just would have thought, we talked about the 40s and 50s a few moments ago, I just would have thought all of this would have died at Nuremberg, and it didn't. Well, no. And then I, I have to look at Greta Thornburg, who I think is a stitch, and I wonder... You know, what possesses the leftists, and she's a climate person, and that's great. Maybe she's a naturist. I don't know what you would what you would call her, a humanist. Um, I had the misfortune of having to be at St. Joseph's Hospital uh, recently, founded by a woman named Mother Macaulay. The order that built St. Joseph's Hospital was a religious order. 
all the Dignity Health Cares were originally a religious order, founded by Mother Macaulay. Why don't these people who are so interested in helping others dedicate themselves to helping others? They don't like than, people. Than staring at coal mines. They don't thing. like people. No Correct. socialist has like ever people. really, you know, they, the socialists don't like people. The Marxists don't like people. That's why they can kill millions of them in the name of improving public policy. Don't well, you think? Well, one person that nobody, now I agree with you, the one person that nobody ever talks about who was a, 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 a mass murderer was Leon Trotsky and how he wrote about it was more than appropriate to kill a million serfs in order to provide a thousand communists with what they needed. I mean, it's insanity, and it continues to run and rut, um, and it will un- until something happens. I don't know what that's going uh, to Yeah, be. I don't either. I, you know, it's a great point that you're raising. What, what will awaken us from, how did Shakespeare put it, what will awaken us from our deadly slumber? It's a great question, and, you know, that's why we come in and do this and day in and day out, and companies like Salem exist. We keep hammering it, and hopefully, you know, we reach audiences that are open to these uh, points, or we reach audiences that know people that would be open to these points that could do something about it, and we change our public policy here and there. But um, you're absolutely right, Mike. No, I mean, this is why Bernie Sanders could say breadlines are a good thing. They don't care about people. They care about toxic ideology and power and change in a progressive notion that leads to some kind of dream palace that is nothing more than a dream, really a nightmare, as they think they can supersede nature. As Whitaker Chambers said, man's second oldest faith. Thank you, Mike. I hope you'll call back. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back.